I'm so excited, Jamil. Are you guys excited? Yes. It's a new semester. It's a new semester. Can you share that with us? Thank you. Yes. So, uh, help me again. Welcome your neighbor, Mombe Kadibu Nairet. Kadibu to a new semester. And be excited. Do you know how many people wanted to see a new semester? Do you know how many people wanted to see a new man? Yeah, so it is always um, a reason for us to be grateful to God when we see a new man, or a new semester, or even a new week. There are many who had even more noble plans than you for this month. Many who had plans to make millions this month. Who had plans to visit the whole country, the whole world. But somehow, somehow God chose you to be here today. So it is not a light thing. Cindy, Yes. So my name is Viona Milanoi Seketo. By um, God's grace, serving as the outgoing chair. <laughs> I don't know if it's too soon to use that line. <laughs> and, uh, but, uh, so serving as the current chair of NIDET, uh, it's been a great joy and a privilege. Maybe we can pray before we start. Our dear Heavenly Father, we are most grateful for yet another day, O oh God, to share your word, another day to sit down under the counsel of your word. Father Lord, I submit myself as your vessel this evening, asking that you may speak to me and through me, and that, O oh Lord, you may remind us the statutes of your word, O oh God, and correct us, rebuke us, exhort us, discipline us in accordance to your will. This I pray through Christ our Lord and Savior. Amen. Yes, so not so karibuni to our visitors. Shango ya visitors. Yes. Shango ya takami ni visitors here, defender here. So again, let's welcome our visitors. Yes, so this is sound of Simami, so it is. But this is Nairet. And now, kwa mna shanga, eh, kwa nini SD, or anybody here? Wanasoma bibilia katikati ya service, but that's how we do it, because we believe the word of God, you know, comes above everything else. Yes, so, anyway, without wasting any more time, um, I'll be doing a theme expo. Uh, our theme this semester is Back to the First Love. And the, uh, the theme verse is from Revelations 2. And I request for a reader. And yes, I said, yeah, some of the verses. So, Revelations 2, verse 2. Verse 2. Revelations 2, verse 2. Okay, Jamie, So, you can start from verse 1. Revelations 2, verse 1, to verse 4.
Yes, five. the church in Ephesus being given words to write by John, the Apostle John, uh, according to the revelation he had received. And so verse 2, it says, um, I know your works, I know your toil and your patience uh, endurance and you have not bared evil men, but have tested those who have called themselves apostles, but are not and have found them to be false. And then verse, uh, verse 4, so verse 2 and 3, we see that uh, the angel is being, okay, this church is being commended. The Lord is commending them for their good works and they say that I'm commending you one for your good deeds, for your labor, for your toil, for your patience. So basically this is a church that was actually producing fruits. This was not a dead church, this was not a dead uh, organ, you know, a, a community of believers, but this was a church that was producing fruits. So much like Jaquan you, much like Nairet, much like whatever church you know, or a body of believers. But then he says in verse 3, but, and so for everyone who has done English, you know that but is a conjunction of, of contrast, meaning now uh, the angel is now communicating something different. And he says, but I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. So it's so interesting that they are doing all these things, but they do not have the love they had at first. And so I remember when I was preparing for this sermon, it was very tricky because we, ha- we all have different levels of love for God at first. I can, I can allow you just to think about the moment you received Christ in your heart. I wonder where you were. For me, I was in form three, in Nikoa that Easter weekend, and we had someone come and preach to us, and that is when I received Christ. So I don't know where you are, and I hope you still remember that day. But the Bible is not rebuking them for forgetting their first love. And so it is very possible for a vibrant church, a fruitful church, a fruitful Christian, a fruitful uh, believer who is going to church, doing all the good things, but they have forgotten their first love, and they're not serving from a point of the love that they had for God initially. If you can just think about that first week after you received Christ, ulku naomba every time, Biblia, stima zikipotea unashika Biblia. Sikuwezi stima ikipotea, unafanga nini? Ngenonyo ni kulala, wengine ni novels, na niko hapu pia. But I remember that first week, unasama kileo, ii mwaka, ninasama Genesis to Revelation, that zeal you had. Ukisikia kesha, atakama siya chachenyu, unaenda. But kuhizi, ukisikia kesha, oh, awa naumbanga na huu, mimi spendi watu anumba na huu. Oh, awa mama wanafubanga makuwa zaadi, chini mimi siyamini, you are all they are being legalistic. Eh? 
Kwa hivyo ukiona posta lazima uchambue huyu ni false preacher huyu nilimkia kwa mahali akichanguliwa na mtu mwingine and it is not wrong it's a good thing but how are you what remember that zeal you had when you first received Christ when you first came into contact with the same power of Christ and so also i want us to turn to Jeremiah 17:10 in relation to what we've talked about and it's so interesting because God is never fooled by our good works. I can only imagine this church wakifanya all these things. And remember there's a church that had pure and very sharp discernment. The Bible talks about in verse uh, should be verse 2 Apogwisho that they would even test apostles. They would test people who, who, who call themselves apostles but are not and they found them to be false. This the discernment was very sharp, meaning the understanding of the word was very sharp, meaning their work with the Holy Spirit was also very intact, but they had forgotten. And the Bible says, it's very interesting, maybe before you go to Jeremiah 17, uh, Apochini, verse, uh, Revelations 2, verse, verse, verse 5, it says, okay, let me start from beginning. Revelations 2, verse 5, it says, Remember then from what you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. And then you just wonder, ah, God, God, you don't wipe away the whole church. There is a church that you are doing good works. They were totally, even the Bible talks about their patience and endurance. This is a church that was doing well according to the standards of men. These are believer in this case, when you get my little semi, eh, at you like I'm a fiki bingudi, Miss Jean and another bingudi. But this is a church in a God and a summer. If you do not change this one thing, what one thing? To remember their first love. If you do not change this one thing, I will, I will do what? Nasama? I will remove your lampstand from its place. So, meaning this is something that truly, truly matters to God. And it's so interesting because we serve a God who is not only pleased by the superficial things, but he searches our hearts. Yani, he searches our hearts. And maybe let's just go to Jeremiah 17.10 and say. Jeremiah 17.10. A volunteer kindly. Okay, kidogo too. So maybe just to give some context, 
uh, Jeremiah is writing to the Israelites. And in this particular chapter, he is addressing uh, idolatry. Because they had gone back to like serving idols, and it was not something that the Lord was pleased in. So now from verse 1, I'm insisting we start from verse 1 for the sake of context. So verse 1, it says, The sin of Judah is written with a pen of iron, with a point of diamond, and it is engraved in the, on the tablet of their hearts and on the, on the horns of their altars. While their children remember their altars and their asherim beside every green tree and every high hill. So basically, he's just, he's just explaining just how, how much these idols meant to the Israelites. Another version even says, as they remember their children, so do they remember their altars. In the same way, if, if you have, you know, for the fathers or for the parents, okay, for the mothers, most cases, and fathers. vaccination after one month, that same detail. So these guys, they will remember their altars or their gods in the same details one remembers their children. Nuggets. Eh, so maybe we need to make a verse. Verse 4. Yes. And the last one, verse 5. This is what the Lord says. Mm. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. Mm. That person will be like a bush in the wasteland. They will not see prosperity when it comes. Mm. They will dwell in the past places of the desert, in a salt land where no one lives. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted in the water that sends out its roots by the stream, which does not fear when it comes to leaves. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Okay, so we can get there. So now what is the Lord saying? So from verse 1 to verse 4, whose words were this? Jeremiah's words to those people. But now from verse 5, even in scriptures, thus says the Lord. So this exact quotation is a direct message from the Lord to these people. And he says, cast is the man who trusts in another man and makes flesh his arm, whose heart uh, is turned away from the Lord. Another translation says, whose mind and heart is turned away from the Lord. And so you wonder how does this relate to, to, to our thing? Because basically to forget our first love, it means one of two things. Either you've turned your heart away from God, or you've turned your mind away from God. And Jeremiah is coming now here and he's saying, cast is that man. As a result of that man turning away their mind and their heart from God, they get to a point of trusting another man. They get to a point of making flesh his arm. They get to a point of, of and now verse 6, it explains uh, the fate of this man. That he is like a shrub in the desert and shall not see any good come. He dwells in the parched places of the wilderness and in an, an inhabited salt land. So basically, this is a person whose life is very fruitless. His life is very flavorless. But basically, this is a person who, first thing, they had turned their hearts away from God. They had turned their mind away from God. And as a result, trusted in another man. And so it is, it is, it is very important for us to examine, first of all, our, our minds. 
And what does it mean to turn away from, from God in our minds? We see in Exodus 14.10, maybe we can get there, Exodus 14.10 to 12. So turning away from God in our minds means having a mindset or an understanding that we can get our health or we can get our fortification or we can get our guidance from anyone else or anything else apart from God. That is basically what means, uh, what turning away from God means. So Exodus 14.10, maybe someone can read very fast. I hope to go pamoja, first of all. Go pamoja. Very nice. Is not this what we say in English? Let us alone and let us serve the Egyptians. So it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which will be born for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today shall never see again. Mm. The Lord will fight for you. And you have only to mm. Okay, thank you. So it's interesting. These people, they have been slaves in a foreign land for quite a number of years now. And then now God raises a man amongst them. And this man comes and says, But hey, God, I'm really sure it's time for us to leave this place, to go to another place. And even uh, it should be Exodus 5 3 and 4, where God tells Moses, I want this man now to I want this people to leave the land of Egypt so that they can go to another place and worship me and give sacrifices to me. So Moses comes and tells these people, by the way, this is what you know God wants to do with us. And they are excited to do Gidoko on a And so we see in, in, in uh, verse in verse 10, after they have started facing some tribulation, and they're telling Moses, You should have just left us where we are. You should have just left us in Egypt. And he says something funny. <laughs> verse, should be verse 11. And they said to Moses, Is it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? So meaning these were people who they were already content in this, slave, in this uh, foreign land. They were content in, in this uh, point of slavery. They were content in being outside the will of God. Because the will of God was, at this point in time, these people should have already left Egypt and started now pursuing Canaan. But these people were already content. They were satisfied in their heart. It much, pretty much like Lord's wife. Lord's wife from men and foreign land, and then the angels come and tell Lord, you have to leave because God is about to destroy this, this place. And what does Lord's wife, Lord's wife does? What does she do, sorry? When they are about to leave, what does she do? She looks back. Why did she look back? Come to think of it. Because her heart was set, her mind was set on, 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 on the place on Sodom and Gomorrah. Imagine angels have come to rescue you and they're telling you that God is about to destroy this town. But your mind, your heart is so set on the things that do not please God to a point you're willing to even risk your life. Because I've even been given a uh, an instruction by the angel that you go go, go uh, and wander to a place and do not look behind. But this person, was, this lady, was so set on it. And even uh, Jesus said, should in the, the book of Luke, she said, "Remember Lord's wife. Remember Lord's wife. Remember Lord's wife." 
that even when God was guiding her to the promised land in this case, even when God, God was guiding her to where she needed to be, her mind, her heart, the desires of her heart was already was, was set on she was set on yes. So the desires of her heart was set on Sodom and Gomorrah, regardless of the fact that that place was not a place that pleased God. And so it is uh, Genesis, yes. Genesis 15:13. Basically, we see uh, in this place God is giving a prophecy to Abraham that I will lead your people to a foreign land, and after 400 years they are going to leave that place and then occupy the land of Canaan. And so it is very important, even as you are serving God, even as you are bearing fruits, even as you are growing in discernment like the church of Ephesus, to fix our minds on Christ. To fix our minds on Christ alone, fix our minds on His grace alone, fix our minds on His word alone, fix on his, our minds on His glory alone, and through the faith of Christ alone. Praise God. Why is it important? Because you can, it is very easy for you to be in a place like Ephesus where we are doing. Because imagine if these people, you know, they will wake up and feel as if to I mean, to we produce fruits. And these people are producing, you know, they not only had um, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but they also had the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Because patience is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. But these people, when God was, was, was you know, investigating them and God was searching their hearts, he said, you have forgotten the first love. Praise God. And so, uh, it is very important for us continually to remind ourselves that God is our only help. That God is our only salvation. That God, to continually remind ourselves. Otherwise, it can be very easy to fix your mind on the people that God brings in your life, or the things that God gives you, or the places God allows you to go, or the person God allows you to be. But when you fix your mind on God and God alone, even the Bible talks about, it should be, yes, Jeremiah 17, 5, we already read that, that cast is the man who trusts in, in another man. Cast is the man who puts his trust on the arm of flesh. By the arm of flesh, no man can prevail. Praise God. And so, uh, I'm usually very encouraged by David, because when you read through the book of Psalms, I think you begin to understand why God says that this was a man after his own heart. Because this was a man who had one of the best military forces. He, I believe, was one of the richest kings. I believe he had one of the most beautiful wives or anything that you can think of material. This guy had it. But he would run to caves and just call out to God and say, Lord, you are my help. Lord, you are my only salvation. Lord, you are my only hope. And that is the brokenness that God needs us to have. Not just in night, but even as individuals. Lord, if you don't help me with this subject, no one will help me. If you don't help me with my family, no one will help me. If you don't help me with my character, no one will help me. We need to get to that point of, of, of brokenness and understanding that unless God helps you, it's a very interesting story in Second Kings of a certain woman who came and asked for help from the king. And the king asked him, if God doesn't help you, who will? So imagine, now imagine, a king I would think is a person in authority. Now in this case, maybe our parents. So maybe you go to your parents and tell them, hey, baby, mom, I'm a dad, I'm having this and this and this problem. 
But then even that person who you thought was the ultimate source of God help tells you, if God himself does not help you, who will help you? Praise God. And that is one of the ways where we can uh, get back to our first love. Understanding, having that constant uh, understanding that God alone is our help. Praise God. Maybe we can read Psalms 22 verse 11 very fast. Psalms 22 verse 11. Psalms 22 verse 11. Someone can read very fast. Psalms 22 verse 11. Do not be far from me, for trouble is in me. There is no one to help. Could you start from verse 9? Yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you, even at my mother's breast. From birth you have cast on me. From my mother's womb you have been my God. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near and there is no one to help. And that should be our mind, our heart posture at all times. It doesn't matter how God helps, uh, raises you. It doesn't matter how God helps you. It doesn't matter how much God blesses you. But David says that you allowed me to trust in you from, our, from the time I was on my mother's breast. You took me out from my mother's womb. And you, uh, verse 11, do not be far from me, from trouble is near, and there is no one to help. I remember the, the previous semester, should be this previous or the other one, we talked about in the world, but not of it. Meaning we are sojourners, we are visitors here, basically. And so this should be our posture every single day when we wake up. God, be my help. Be my help, for trouble is near. We are in a time where anything can happen anytime. Anything can happen anytime. And so we have to constantly pray to God, Lord, be my help. For trouble is near and there is no one else to help me but you. So even when you're praying, it is very important to pray with scripture. That Lord, help me with this chemistry. Lord, help me with this engineering. If you don't help me, no one else will help me. Lord, help me with uh, my relationship. Help me with family. Help whatever thing it is. This is a good prayer point to, to, to raise it to God. Place, place that, that, you know, hold God to his word. Father Lord, even as David says that there was no one else, I understand right now, Lord, that there is no one else to help me but you. And we also see in verse 19 as well, Be thou, O Lord, be not, but thou, O Lord, be not far. O thou, my help, hasten to my aid. Deliver my soul from the sword, my life from the power of the dog. Save me from the mouth of the lion, my afflicted soul from the horns of the wild oxen. And then also Psalm, Psalm uh, 72, verse 12. Just talking also about the help of God. It says, verse 12 to 14. For he delivers the needy when he calls, and the poor and him who has no helper. He has pity on the weak and the needy, and saves the lives of the needy. From oppression and violence, he redeems the life, and precious is the blood in his sight. Long live, may God of, uh, the God of Sheba be given to him, may prayer be made for him continually, and blessings invoked for him all day. So basically we just see David calling out to God, that God his help. And also Psalms 121 verse 1. Maybe they can just go very fast, because I want us to pray before 
I sit down. So Psalms 121 verse 1, it says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will never slumber nor sleep. May this be our heart posture at all times. May God help us and guard us from pride. Because sometimes pride is not beating your chest in front of people and saying, hey, baby, mean you let me. But pride is waking up and finding solace, finding comfort, finding confidence in anything else or anyone else apart from God. Because the same God who allowed that person, who allowed that thing to be in your life, can very easily take it away. Think of, think of Job. The guy was rich. He was rich. But you see that as God allowed the enemy to test him, he would take away the, the material things he had. To a point even his own uh, friends were telling him, just cast this God. His own wife was telling him, just cast this God. What need is there? But you see, I'm a man who was truly, truly, truly interested in knowing God and loving him. If God gave you that thing that you're praying for today, would you still serve him? So many times you are in Christ because of the things that he can give you. Because of that family that you're desiring, that unity in Akusumbua Kili, that family member who is always drunk, that, you know, your dad who is not doing, you know, his, his, according to his part. If God gave you your prayer points, if God truly answered the desires of your heart, would you still be in Christ? Would you still be in God? And if not, search your heart very keenly. Search your heart and ask yourself. And if not, that is a prayer point. That Lord, solidify my feet in you. That even when all these things come, I will still be grounded and planted in you. Praise God. So that was turning away from God in their minds, which is closely related to what I'm about to talk about next. What I'm about to talk about. Okay. So which is turning away from God in their hearts. Basically, when we talk about the heart, you're talking about the will or the desire. And so our hearts are turned away from God when we forget how far He has brought us from. And so it is very important. This is a spiritual, uh, it's, 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 it's a principle in the kingdom of God to remember. We don't talk about it enough, but to remember. Because as we've talked about, it's a church that had good deeds. They were doing all those things. Like Mary talking about missions that people receive Christ. You know, people will give their lives to Christ. But these were people who had turned away from God. Their hearts and their mind, they had turned away from God. And so, Psalm uh, 3, verse 2, it talks about, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and bless his holy name. Forget not his benefits. This is a principle I'm telling you. We, this is something you need to teach yourself. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And forget, forget not all his benefits. Forget not all his benefits. You must always tell yourself, Viona, forget not all his benefits. Not only in bad times, but also in good times. Because there are seasons when you're any other times when you feel kama nyota in the Vizuri. But even in those times, teach yourself, remind yourself, Viona. Jo, uh, vesu, anyone, 
Forget not your bene uh, the benefits of God. Forget not what he's done to you. Forget not the things he has brought you from. So, and also God reminds, and this is very important to God because we see Exodus 16 verse 32, when God had blessed the Israelites with manna and quails in the desert. God tells them, take a piece. It's called, the people talks of an omer, O-M-E-R. Take it and store it for the generations to come. That when they come, they will see it and remember the God of your father. Exodus 13, 16, 32. So it is very important for God that even as he's doing a new thing, for you to, 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 uh, to, to, put, to help you, to remind you, to not forget the things that he has uh, helped you in. And also talks about in Exodus 17, 14. Maybe we can read that. I hope we're together though. Yes. Exodus 17, verse 14. My message is generally very simple. And I'll probably not be in front of you for long. But I want us to pray before I sit. So Exodus 17, 14. And it says, And the Lord said to Moses, Write this as a memorial in your book and recite it in the ears of Joshua that I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. So the, uh, God is telling Moses, write this as a memorial. Write this as a memorial. For you to be a person who has not turned their hearts away from God, have a habit of writing things as a memorial to your heart. Because the Bible talks about, man, we are so forgetful. We are so forgetful. Even if you read the book of Exodus, God will help the Israelites, they will praise him for a few days, then they forget, they start complaining again. Praise him, God comes through, praise him, they forget, complain again. It's a whole cycle. Even in the book of Judges, the Bible talks about that they will sin, God will raise them up. Raise up a judge amongst them, lead for a while after the judge is dead, sin again, raise up a judge. It becomes a whole cycle. And that is just our natural nature as human beings to forget. But it is very important as a Christian, as a believer, to write down a memorial in your heart that God helped me. I cried out, I cried out to Him and He helped me. So, other verses basically that talks about remembering, remembering the works of God or the goodness of God is Exodus 8 2. Exodus 8.2 But uh, Exodus starts from verse 1 Then the Lord said to Moses Go in to Pharaoh and say to him Thus says the Lord Let my people go that they may serve me But if you refuse to But if you refuse to let them go Behold Okay, don't think it's the one Um, okay, the next verse is Deuteronomy 5.15. Deuteronomy 5.15. Sorry, the first verse was Deuteronomy 8.2. Sorry, not Exodus. So we can start with Deuteronomy 8.2. And it says, All the commandment which I command you this day, you shall be careful to do, and you may live and multiply, and go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to give to your fathers. And you shall remember all the way which the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what is in your heart, whether you will keep his commandments 
or not. And he humbled you and left you hunger and fed you with mama, with manna, sorry, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but the but man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not did not wear out upon you, and your feet did not swell these forty years. Know then in your hearts that as a man disciplines his son, the Lord God shall discipline you. So you will keep the commandments of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and fearing him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs, flowing forth in valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive oil, olive trees and honey, and you shall eat and be full, and you shall be blessed, and you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land He has given unto you. So basically, God is telling him, God is telling the Israelites that I'm taking you to a land, you know, where it shall flow all these good things. And at times these good things may not be material things. At times it could be your increased ability to discern, or your increased love to others, or your increased wisdom, or your increased uh, generosity to others. It may, it may not necessarily be material things. Maybe for years you've been praying, Lord, help me understand your word. Lord, help me understand your word. As I sit down, give me understanding. And then finally, somewhere, somehow, God gave you that understanding. And then you forgot the days that you used to pray for these things. So these are not necessarily material things at all times, but this could also be how the quality of our work with Him has improved or how God has helped helped us in our work with God. Praise God. But God is telling them, remember, in verse 2, remember all that the Lord your God did in, the, in those 40 years in the wilderness. And so we, 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 we have to intentionally cultivate a life of remembering the words of God because it is only through that that we can live a life of thanksgiving and of worship. The Bible talks about it, Psalms 9:1. Thank God, with all, uh, bless the Lord. Okay, let's just say it. But Psalms 9:1, it says, "I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will tell of all thy wondrous deeds." Yeah, so that goes into uh, thanking God with your whole heart. And so maybe just as we come to a close, uh, going back to Revelations 2. We have now seen why God is rebuking the church of Ephesus. That they had forgotten or they had abandoned their first love. But he goes ahead in verse 5 and gives them a solution because God in his own mercy is. He gives us a problem and gives us a solution. Because we know Zuki Mwacha. Tashina Tupa. You see, you ever seen a sheep, a young, a sheep? A lamb, really nice. You ever seen a lamb? For those who have interacted with animals, they're just going through and round and round, on a even the more. So God is in his own mercy. He points out the problem and also gives us a solution. So verse 5, he says, in relation to what he has said in verse 4, he says in verse 5, remember then from what you have fallen. So now the first step is giving us a solution. The first thing he says, remember from what you have fallen, or remember the way you were before. Maybe another translation, Kamukan has a translation that has a different 
pressing. Uh, <coughs> amplified so says so remember the heights from which you fell, but it's basically the same thing. Remember from what you have fallen. So to revive your love for Christ, there are questions you need to ask yourself. And the first question is, who is God to you? Who, what aspect of God did you first encounter that says, I want to have a relationship with Christ? Think of uh, Peter in, 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 in Luke 5, 5 verse 5 to 9. And, 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 and Peter sees a man come to the boat and he asks him, Hey, baby, you may try to connect. And miraculously, they get, they get a good, you know, a good harvest. And so Peter, the first introduction is that he met Jesus, the God of a miracle, a miraculous harvest. And we think about even the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. And he says, come, come, come. When, he, when she goes back to her village, what does she say? Come and see a man. What are you mission? What does he say in uh, John 4? He says, come and see a man who did what? Who told me everything about what? About myself. So we see that this woman encountered a dimension of God that reveals things about us that even others did. And think about even in the Old Testament. We'll see so many times uh, our fathers in the faith, Akina Abraham, Akina Abraham, Jacob, they would encounter something about God and now give him, ascribe a name to him. For example, think of Jehovah Jireh, Genesis 22:14. Abraham builds an altar and he says, the sun. But then God provides a lamb. And he says, he builds an altar there and he calls, he, he ascribes a name to God and he says, Jehovah Jireh. Why? Because he's the God who has provided. And you also think of Judges 6, 23, verse 24. This is the story of Gideon. And Gideon had, I don't know, okay, maybe we can read it. For me. Judges uh, 6, 23. One thing I love about Jehovah is you have to read the word of God and read it correct. He said that you oh, I don't know what the Bible says. So Saki Kufuatu, Saki preachers, but when you must say so that we saw me to believe. So Judges 6, 23, it says maybe you can start 22. Then Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord, and Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for now I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, Peace be to you. Do not fear, you shall not die. Then Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it the Lord of Peace. To this day it still stands at Ophrah, which belongs to the Abizarites. So we see, God, we see Gideon encountering a God, of, a God who gives peace. And he says what? He calls that place Jehovah Shalom. And so now, who is God to you? Who is God to you? God is so powerful in a way that he has a very unique experience with each and every one of us. All six billion of us, a personal experience that someone else cannot understand, someone else cannot explain it for you. And that's why it doesn't make sense 
when you come to the house of God and you, you're, you're quiet in the house of God, you have to learn to worship God for yourself. Because it's only you who understands what relationship or what revelation you have of Christ. So remember, remember from what you have fallen. Remember what was your first. Who is God to you? We see even in Luke 1, 46 to 45, Mary praising God as the one who exalts and favors those of low degree. This was just a lowly, you know, uh, lady. And then the angel of the Lord visits her and gives her a word from the Lord that you're going to be the one who births the Messiah. And so, so many other instances. We see also in Acts 9, 5, where Paul talks about how he came into contact with God, with, with Jesus Christ. And so Paul talks about Jesus being the defender of the church. Because if you were to come one day and tell Paul, I think maybe Paul, God doesn't defend his people. So Paul will just laugh because you're like, he's, he's wondering what are you talking about? I met the one who defends the church. If you would meet, uh, maybe now the Gideon in this case, and say, hey, maybe I don't think God gives peace. He would laugh and ask what it is that you're talking about. Because I've met God who gives peace. So who is God to you? And that's a question you need to ask yourself. Um, so maybe just to share my personal story, I've always known God as my protector. This is why, because when there would be thunderstorms and lightning, I always think it was like Yama. thunder, lightning, and I still do maybe, but I used to be so scared. So sit down and literally just take the word of God and just, you know how a movie so that's how I would do it and I'm like, okay, Lord, please protect me because I fear the understanding. So till date, someone cannot tell me God does not protect. Because over and over again, I know, I may not know God fully, but one thing I know is that he protects me. So, just be any food for thought for your own assignments. Then the second step, uh, Revelations 2, really the Revelations 2, 2, 5. I hope it's Moja though. Yes, I'm trying to rush through your time. But I pray God gives you understanding and that he opens the heart of your, uh, the eyes of your heart as Ephesians talks about and enlighten your heart. So Ephesians 5, sorry, Revelations 2, 5, it says, so remember then from what you fall, you have fallen. And then the second one talks about repent. So once you have remembered, the second step is to do what? To repent. And repenting is not only a confession of words, but it is a change of heart. Repentance has to come from a point of understanding and conviction. That is the only place where we can get true repentance. And repentance must also come from a broken heart and a contrite spirit. Repentance is an understanding of, 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 of you, a limited human being, you, a, a finite human being, you, a sinful human being, who is born in sin, wronging an infinite, sinning against an, a holy God. And then from that point of understanding, it brings forth repentance from a broken heart. And then also it says, so we've seen the first step is remember, the second step is repent, and then it says what? and do the works you did at first. So repentance must be followed by action. It is not enough just to sit in your house and say, oh God, I repent to you, and then just stay at it. The, the work of a Christian is a work of action. It's a work of producing 
fruits from a point of action. And so it says, remember the things, and sorry, and do the things which you did at first. Because at first, you acted from a point of the love that you had at first. So then, once you have remembered what you had, or what encounter you had with Christ at that point, and you have repented from a point of understanding, then now go back and do from a point of understanding the love you had at first. So repentance must come from a point of understanding and a conviction of what God needs from you and why he needs that from you. Praise God. Amen. And so um, I've come to the end of the service, the preaching, leading us into all truths and breaking down the word of God to us, building us up in the ways of righteousness, even as we behold the perfect day when we will be made one with you. When what you have hoped for will now be something that you see, someone that you can see and worship for eternity. We thank you for your love and your kindness and your mercy and your steadfast love to us. Thank you for not giving up on us. Thank you for not giving up on us. Even when we are faithless, you have still been faithful. The mighty man of the Come and see a man who has told me everything about myself. Who has told me everything about, uh, about my family. Come and see this man. That is our soul, the soul of our hearts. Because I pray to Christ our Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. Thank you.